Good morning. Good morning, Connect. How's everybody doing today? Tell the person next to you, happy birthday, United States. That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Amen. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Chris. If you don't know me, I'm, on, I'm one of the associate pastors. Before I get into the message, can you help me welcome Tri-County in the Framingham campus? Come on. We're so glad you guys have tuned in. Also, all of our viewers online, I hope that you're blessed today by the message spoken by the Holy Spirit. I have a message um, called The Greatest Call. Everybody say this with me. The Greatest. Whenever there's a title that starts with The Greatest, it's speaking to superiority, okay? So I believe we have many calls. Can I get an amen? Amen. But there is a greater call above all calls, and we're going to get into that this morning, okay? Before I get into the message, I just wanted to thank Pastor Stacy and Pastor Derek Fry. Can we give it up for our lead pastors, our spiritual fathers? They are a blessing. Thank you for the opportunity. Also, Pastor Devin doing an amazing job. Um, Pastor Cliff, I just, Pastor Jim, I'm gonna forget someone. I just love uh, what is happening here in this community. A couple of people have asked uh, and and mentioned, you know, I haven't seen you in a while, so I've been traveling, hello. Um, But we've been traveling and able to see what God has been doing across the world. We were just in a place uh, called Oslo, Norway a couple of weeks ago where For the first 50 years, they just had the greatest, the largest meeting for Christ in 50 years since since uh, Billy Graham. So God is moving. Isn't it? Isn't it powerful to know that God is moving beyond our spheres? Is it like there's a motivation that happens in our faith when we know that we're a part of something that's way bigger than ourselves? It's way bigger than the United States. God is moving in Europe and Asia. And so I just wanted to share some of the good news of what God is doing there. There are many miracles and healings. Thousands of people gave their lives to Christ. But let me get into it this morning. I am so excited. I brought my laptop and my paper Bible, if you didn't know. Whenever a preacher does that, you know he's excited to speak. Amen? (laughs) So let's get the big idea first. If we could put the big idea up. I want you to write this down. Maybe you could put it into how you would say it. But this is, I actually played around with the big idea. I was boxing with Pastor Derek. Uh, trying to figure out like what would be the word Smith or how this would resonate with you Um, and this is how it resonated with me but throughout the message maybe maybe it's different language for you but let's read this together if we are to live let's say this part together I want to hear you in Framingham say live loved now now. I heard you TC okay there's there's something around now that is key to the message okay If we are to live loved now, meaning not later or in the past, not if, but now, okay, we must understand that God has not called you to behave well for him. Many of us lead Christianity from a place of behavior and we get tired because we miss the priority in what our faith is. And so he's not called you to work for him. Actually, he's called you to be with him. The chronological order if, that you follow here determines how you see yourself. Amen? If you could close your eyes all over the stage and the pews. Nothing spooky is going to happen even in TC and Framingham. Let's just have a moment real quick and invite the Holy Spirit into this message. Jesus, you're beautiful. We love you, Holy Spirit. 
we invite you to take center stage in this moment. We want to hear from you, Lord. We want to hear from you in a way that will let us know we were in your presence. And so, Father, even in this moment, I ask that I would diminish and that I would be reduced and anything that I say would be what you want to say to your people. Father, we are not asking you for things. I am just asking what is on your heart today and can I communicate it effectively so that we may leave better than we came in. If you prayed that, shout amen. amen. Thank you so much. I think that there's a priority to order in everything that we do. Order matters, yes? In fact, if you don't pay attention to order, and I'm not saying law and order, I mean like chronological order, things that you should do first versus things that you should do second. I think that if you pay attention to order, um, we will avoid a lot of things in our lives that are unhealthy. Um, so for, for example, there's, there's something about doing what's right first than doing what's right later that determines the quality of our life. If that makes sense, say amen. I'm just saying you could talk back. This gets better if you talk back. And I'm only doing this once today, so once is enough. Can I get an amen? Let's go. So there's something about order. There's something about the priority, because as a leader and having pastored for many years, whenever we sit down to counsel, and some of you I've had the opportunity and the privilege to counsel in different areas of your life, uh, one question that I commonly ask in these conversations is, well, let's start with what's more important to you. Like grab a piece of paper, uh, a pen, write it down. Like what's number one? What's number two? What's number three? And what's number four? And just in order of importance, Write down on a piece of paper, what is the most valuable thing in this life for you? And typically, number one, what do people say? God. Coffee, exactly. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's God. God is always, in, in, this, in our sphere of Christianity, God is usually number one. And then, okay, all right, let's stop right there. So open up your calendar and show me where God has priority in your calendar. And so what I see a lot of times, and I'm not trying to indict anyone, I'm trying to be helpful. A lot of times what we say is important, we don't spend enough time with. And so then when we look at Monday through Friday, we're just so busy. And what I want to read is a text that's going to help us understand how we can reorder our lives so that we can focus on what really matters. Because a lot of us are getting master's degrees in areas of life that will not matter in eternity. And I don't want you to be successful in something you weren't called to do. And so the only way that we can GPS our Christianity to be in the center of the will of God is to diminish the distance in our relationship. Amen? And, and so you can, you can be closer to someone in Japan than, than someone in Boston. Uh, so the relationship you have with God, it's, it's, it's not a dimension of distance. It's, it's, it's the quality of the relationship. Amen? All right, so um, if you could open with me to Mark chapter 3, the gospel of Mark chapter 3, bless you. In some places you still get stoned, right, for that kind of stuff? It's all over. If Mark chapter 3, if you find it, say amen. Did you find it, Framingham? That's going to be a good message. Verse 13. If you've never highlighted this verse, I'm going to give you an invitation. Highlight this verse. This is a good verse, Okay. 
So this is when Jesus is appointing the 12. Let me just catch everybody up. Now, he's been uh, walking around the Sea of Galilee. He's choosing his disciples. At one point, he had 70. Only 12 lasted when betrayed him. You following? So this is when he calls them up to the mountainside. Look at what he's saying. This is when he's appointing them after inviting them. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those who he wanted. Tell the person next to you, you know Jesus wants you, right? He desires you. He loves you the way you are. I know for some people this is a confrontation because we think, can I really be loved in that way? Yes, you can. Jesus is the person that loves you knowing everything there is to know about you and he still says yes. He says he wanted them to come and they came to him. And so there's a response that you need in your faith. He appointed 12 designating them apostles that they would be with him. Say that word, that they would be be with him. Let me hear it in TC, that they would Be. be with him. Okay, it continues that they might be sent out to preach and have authority. Everybody say preach. preach. And that they might have authority to drive out demons. Everybody say preach. preach. Say authority. authority. These are outcomes. This is work. This is what you do with God, not for God. But a lot of the times, many of us, because of how we view the order, we start our relationship with God working for him. And we start our faith by serving him. Instead of spending time with him. You see, this is the number one reason why we become weak in our relationship with God. Because when you start a relationship by feeling like you have to work for it, it's because you think you earn it. And so a lot of us can point to successes, achievements, and medals, but it's because we're after something that God has already given to you freely, and that's his love accepted by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Maybe the thing that you're looking for in life is exactly what Jesus has already given to you on the cross. Many of the disciples needed to spend time with God. Because when you, when you spend time with someone, you see time is the currency of heaven. If there's anything that's the most valuable from Jesus' ministry here on earth, it was his time. The Bible says the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is speaking to the day of Jesus. One day was 33 years. After, it'll say the end days. When Jesus ascended, it became the end days. Jesus had time as the most valuable currency, and he spent three-fourths of it with 12 people. He is teaching something with his posture. He's saying the most important thing I need to do to turn the world upside down with 12 unlikely people is to give them my time. And as a father, I've been falling prey to this because I had, maybe I don't have as much time as I would like for my family or for my sons. And so I would try to substitute that with the things that I could buy for them. You see, but the truth is, there is no amount of money that can substitute the presence of the Father in their lives. But I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I don't have time. That's exactly what the devil wants. That's exactly where he wants you to be because if you don't have time for your children, don't worry, the world does. 
And so Jesus knew this, and so he said, you know what? I am going to maximize the time that I spend with Jesus. In fact, Jesus modeled this. The Bible says he frequently withdraw to speak with his father. In fact, one time they asked him, why did you come? And he said, I came to reveal the father. The Bible says in the New Testament that 25 times there is a citation that he withdrew to speak and pray with the father. He's not only teaching this with the disciples, he's modeling this with his own life and how he leads his relationship with God. And so it may be that the greatest call in the universe is not for you to do for Jesus, it's for you to spend time with Jesus. It just may be that the greatest call in our relationship is not the things that we can do to expand the kingdom of God. In fact, the best ministry gets done in the overflow of how well your relationship is going with the Father. In fact, Jesus didn't do anything. He just stepped into what God had already planned. Jesus is teaching us something that the greatest call is for you to spend time with Jesus. What if the presence of God was the center of the universe and you didn't know? He's teaching. I love Jesus because he didn't just teach with words. He taught with examples. He was always bringing value to the time that he was spending with God. Look at me. Who you are becoming in the presence of God is more important than what you're doing. But something happens. I think we start well, but we start to lose the order. And then because we feel fulfilled in the things that we do for God and how we partner with God. In fact, in John chapter 15, verse 15, God says, I no longer call you slaves. I have called you friends. And so we, we, we confuse the partnership with the things that we're doing. And we begin to bring more value to outcomes than to process. Because our relationship progresses in the process of knowing God more? Could it be that your intimacy with the Holy Spirit is on the other side of knowing God more? Could it be that we have just scratched the surface of who God really is? Could it be that there is more to learn about God's mercy? Could it be that there is more to learn about how good and how great our God really is? Could it be that we have settled in our relationship and it's okay for you to find rhythm, but it's not okay when you settle below the promise of God. You see, the God that promised you this is still standing on his word. And so if God doesn't change, who changes? And this is what happened in the life of Peter. He started to get the order wrong. And I want to walk through the life of Peter together with you this morning. And I want us to take a a couple of takeaways. And so it's important for us to understand order. In fact, when I was in the military, many people don't know this, uh, I served in the Navy. And my early years, I was given the mission to uh, pilot the ship. They called it a helmsman. Yeah, it's a good word. Um, Use that today. And uh, so I, you know, being the son of a first uh, generational immigrant parent, you know, you you learn to like really value opportunities. And so I gave it 110%. I would like shave twice a day. I would, uh, I would, yeah, right. Come on, some Gillette. Uh, And and so 
I would like iron my coveralls. And soon someone just mentioned, hey, you should become a master helmsman since you like it so much. I'm like, well, I don't know, I don't know if I like it so much, but, but I just, I just I gave it 110%. And it's interesting that when you give something your all, God always allows the right person to see it. Can I get an amen? And so maybe we, we should focus less on who's looking at me than can, can God be pleased with what I'm doing? And so the, the, a master helmsman would take boats in and out of locks. Uh, I think I've been through the Panama Canal with the warship eight times, not trying to boast, but just so you know where it's coming from. But then at one time, and this is actually a cool fact, cool fact about me, if you didn't know, I think in Framingham they know this, I crashed a naval warship. <laughs> Happy birthday, America. <laughs> $300 million. You're welcome. That was your tax money. And so <laughs> I didn't do it again. It was my fault. It was... And so we were running out of fuel. Everybody say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's a good story. And uh, I, I was, we were close to a, a port in Peru called Suape. And uh, we needed fuel, but, and so we made course. You know, I went like full ahead speed, the whole nautical terms, and, 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 et cetera. But what, what happened was as soon, as soon as we started to pull into the port, like the whole ship started to oscillate. For those of us that are like me and, you know, we don't know big words, it started to shake, y'all. And so, like, everybody looked at me because I was driving the ship. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just driving. Like, and so they quickly asked me, like, to shut off the engines. And they discovered that the port of Suape hadn't been dredged in over 30 years. What does that mean? It means, like, when the, the depth of a port, you consistently to, need to move the debris from, from the seabed or else the seabed rises. And so I just ran uh, FFG 49 Robert G. Bradley into a mud bar, okay? Like we lost our propellers, y'all. <laughs> and I was driving the ship. And so we're like, back up, let's back up out of this port, right? And it's interesting that we were so focused on getting refueled that we forgot to measure the depth of the port. <laughs> Order matters, can I get an amen? Like even when you're taking a ship from the moor lines, like before you turn on the engine and decide a direction, wouldn't it be interesting for you to unmoor the lines and lift the anchor? Did that too, hallelujah. And so order matters. And I believe a lot of times as Christians, we're trying to recharge our soul, but our relationship is shallow. And so we run aground in our faith. That's why I think if we were to really prioritize what really matters, we would always make time for the Holy Spirit. Because even in my life, a lot of times I spend time with God with whatever I have extra. But he's been speaking to me vehemently, especially in this season where I shouldn't go to the Bible just because I'm going to preach. I shouldn't pray because now I have five minutes. I should go to the Bible because I want to know God more. And I should pray because the Holy Spirit is the most important person on the planet. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Tell the person next to you, order matters. If you want to write this down, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. This is not my opinion. This is what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, try C. It says, for God is not a God of disorder. You thought it was my opinion for a minute, didn't you? It's a good opinion, Pastor Chris. 
This is what the Bible says. And so if you were to do an analysis on how you allocate time, would it match your priorities? Could you think of things that today are out of order in your life? I'm not proud of the moment where I ran a ship aground, but I think it was a great example of how order is important. You see, when we look at the life of Peter, there are three signs where he was so busy doing that he missed a real connection with Jesus. And I'm going to walk through these three, and then I'm going to give you ten very practical things that you can do to pursue a relationship with God. But we're going to read the Bible this morning. Is that okay? Y'all ready to navigate the Bible? I'm sure you didn't want a Brazilian speaking nonsense this morning, Kelly. So first verse I want you to write down is Matthew 26, 33. This is the first sign that Peter has become busy instead of spending time with Jesus. This is the first, this is the first sign. Matthew 26, 33. Jesus is speaking about how his time is going to pass and how he's going to have to, he's going to be betrayed and he's speaking to the future of his ministry. And then all of a sudden, Peter gets up in the middle of the disciples and he says, no, no, no. Even if all fall away, I never will. In fact, if you skip a verse, he says it again. He, he doubles down on trusting himself. And one of the signs that we are inverting the order in prioritizing what we can do for Jesus is that we start to trust ourselves more and more. In fact, uh, there's a great Bible teacher that, uh, his name is John Bevere. I don't know if you guys ever heard of John. But he, 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 in his testimony of how he overcame pornography, he talks about how the secret to his holiness has always been his ability not to trust himself. And so whenever you start to trust yourself, could that be a sign that you are trying to do more for God and yourself than God can do for you? You see, because when you try to do when you're not spending time with Jesus, could it be that you may multiply what he isn't doing? And it's amazing what you can do without the Holy Spirit, but it'll cost you. But if it's God's will, how many know it's God's bill? Can I get an amen? amen. And so what's happening here is he is trusting himself to the point where his experience is substituting the Savior. Do you really trust him? Write that down as a question for yourself. Number two is if you skip a couple of verses down, write this verse down. Matthew 26, verse 69. Here's another sign that the relationship between Peter and Jesus has become shallow. Jesus is now arrested. You know the story. He is beside the fire. A girl comes up to him. Another girl comes up to him. And then the people who were standing here, they all ask him. And they said, but your accent even gives you away. And he vehemently curses himself and yells, I do not know what you're talking about. And so he hides his faith. And here at Connect, one of the values that we have is worship. And there's a tagline that goes with worship that says everything that you love shows. shows. Exactly. And so Peter isn't showing something here. 
Because he denies him not once, but he denies him three times. And when I read this, <clears throat> I was asking questions to the author of the book. Did you know you could do that, by the way? <laughs> like, the Bible is the kind of book that you should never just read to get through it. Like, if you're reading the Bible out of obligation, you are reading a book, not the love letter. Because all these other books have additions and they, they renew every year. But how many know the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? Like, it is still the moral code for humanity. Can I get an amen? It doesn't matter what culture and society is doing. I would stick to the word of God over any policy. Can I get an amen? The word of God is steadfast. It is living. And when you sit to read, the author makes himself present. And so I was asking the Holy Spirit, well, I mean, look at what Peter saw. Like, look, look at what Peter did. He was, he was seen as the leader of the disciples. Like, even in his follow me invitation from Jesus, there was a marvelous catch. It wasn't the miraculous catch, because that's after Jesus' resurrection. It was miraculous because Jesus was resurrected at that time. There were two catches. And so Peter follows Jesus because he was so blessed by what Jesus had, had just done for him. Do you know how much money all of those fishes were worth? It filled the boat to the point where the nets ripped and the people next door, the competition, needed to come quickly because Peter was so blessed, even everybody around him got blessed. And so could it be that Peter decided to follow Jesus when he says, follow me for the first time, he followed him because he was being blessed. So he wanted the hand of Jesus instead of the heart of Jesus. That's what I'm trying to understand when Peter denies him three times. Why would he hide? Well, because he was afraid. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all. Follow me. I'm going somewhere. Could it be that the presence of fear in Peter's life spoke to a love that was not there? You see, all of us at certain points in our faith, we follow Jesus for the wrong reasons. And just like Judas, if you follow Jesus long enough for the wrong reasons, you will inevitably see yourself betray him. And so he denies Jesus three times. Now let me give you an example just to think about it. Well, let me ask you a question. If you stepped out of the church today, TC or Framingham, and... As soon as you got into the parking lot, you saw a lion jump out the bushes. Some of y'all are laughing. I, I hear you laughing in TC. You're thinking the lion has to come up the cinema stairs. It's going to be harder. You have a better chance to escape. What would you do? Someone said, run to the car. What would you do, Framingham? I see Pastor Cliff would grab his boot. Would you run, yes or no? You running, son. You running. And you're not trying to be faster than the lion. You're trying to be faster than the person next to you. <laughs> Let's go. What's making you run? Fear. Switch the scenario. Rewind. Same scenario. You walk into the parking lot. You see the same line. He's actually even more hungry. You want to do what? Bolt. You saying bolt. But then this time, 
your son or your daughter is in between you and the lion. What happens now if you don't have a son or daughter? The person you love the most is in between you and the lion. Are you running now? Well, hold up, hold up. What happened? Where did your fear go? In the first scenario, you were booking it. You were looking for the closest tree. You, you were surely not going to climb on a Tesla because they're not high enough. It's a knock. You know, I'm coming after you. And so the difference between scenario number one and scenario number two is that love casts out all fear. See that? See that? And so could it be that the things that weakens our relationship because of fear speaks to a demand on your relationship to spend more time with the Holy Spirit? Tell the person next to you, I think God's speaking to me. That's number two. The third sign. Is this all right, by the way? Because I'm scheduled to preach on in August. I mean, this, I might get canceled if... <laughs> Topic number three is we give up. Write that down. Sign number three, we give up. It's found in John 21.3. Write that down. It's important for you not to just hear this message. I want you to study this message. Do you know why I, 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 I love this message? This is my life's message. Everywhere I go, this is what I preach. But I've never preached it here. We give up. So when I say we give up, I'm speaking as someone who has given up. And maybe you have given up too. And I'm here to tell you, it's always the right decision to start again. Can I get an amen? And so now Jesus is arrested. Peter tries to stop what was about to happen. Jesus corrects him and says, put your sword away. Do you remember that verse? And now he's, he's been crucified. And Peter, who thought that Jesus was going to lead as a Jewish king to free Israel from the oppression of the Romans, is disillusioned because what he thought was going to happen didn't happen that way. And isn't it just like us to give up on God when things don't happen the way we thought? And so Peter says, I'm going fishing. What was Peter before? He was a fisherman. Isn't it interesting that you will resort to the things that are familiar to you in low points? And then the disciples said, well, you know what? The same disciples that says, even if all fall away, the same disciples that when Peter doubled down, they were like, yeah, us too. The same ones said, you know what? Well, we're going fishing too then. It's interesting that you don't know how much influence you really have. But it may be that on the other side of your obedience hangs nations and kings in the balance. Wow, that's great. Could it be that on your lips there are words that would change a nation? But you're quitting too soon. And so the disciples went too. But what happened here is that their experience betrayed them. The Bible will say that they fished all night and they caught nothing. And there was a man on the beach. He says, cast it to the right side. And here you have the second catch, the miracle catch, a resurrected body giving orders for a 
500, I forget the number, it'll come to me. And it was a catch that was full of fish. The first catch was marvelous, the second one was miraculous. It's interesting, it's not in the Bible, but Flavius Josephus, which is a Jewish historian, will say that Peter went back to the same nets that were, was ripped from the marvelous catch, and he sewed it back together to go back to what he was used to doing. And sometimes we do that in our faith. We'll go back to things that no longer serve us, but we'll try to put it back together again because we think God doesn't have the answer. He used the same net, and the same net also betrayed him. Could it be that you have the right skill, talents, and gifts, but you're using it the wrong way? Jesus called Peter to be a fisher of what? What was he a fisher of before? Your passion is attached to your purpose. But if you spend enough time with the Holy Spirit, he'll learn, he'll teach you, and you'll learn how to use your gifts, your talents, and your skills in the way that will advance the kingdom. And this is a sad point in Peter's life. Are we going to end the message like this, Pastor Chris? Peter's a loser. Let's go home, everybody. What happens next is the point you need to remember. What happened up, in this, up until this point was exhortation. This is the point you need to remember. It's found in John 21, and actually the theme of this chapter is Jesus restores Peter. How many know it doesn't matter how far we are, there is grace enough to restore us. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Write this down. Peter gets a second call. Write that down. Peter gets a second call to the first call. The cool thing about only having one service is I'm going till one in the afternoon. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't know if you had a schedule. Like, this is going. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so Peter gets a second call to the first call, and the first call is the greatest call because of reasons we all now know, yes? And so in Luke chapter 5, Jesus says, follow me, and it was an invitation, okay? But what happens here is that Jesus, after they have eaten, he's cooking fish, and he has some bread. Bread speaks to the word of God. Fish speaks to soul. And he asks Peter a question, doesn't he? And he asks him this three times. He says, if you truly uh, love me, do, do you love me more than these? And then Peter answers. And then he says, well, well, do you truly love me? And then Peter answers. And then he says, do you love me? And so there's three levels of questioning there. It's a funnel. It's, it, the first question was comparatively. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than what's in your bank account? Do you love me more than the things that you fear, Peter? It was comparative. Number two is, do you truly love me? But this time, are you for real? You see, because after Peter denies Jesus for the third time, the Bible says that he wept bitterly. Do you remember this? 
In the New Testament, there was only two examples of when people cried bitterly. It was when Jesus' friend Lazarus died, knowing he was going to resurrect him. Jesus cried bitterly. And then here now, Peter, when he denies Jesus for the first time, the Bible says he also cries bitterly. Peter was a type of Christ, but the tears did not change Peter. And so he continues and he's direct. So he's comparative, he's qualitative, and now he's direct. Do you love me more than these? Do you truly love me? Do you love me? And the Bible says that Peter was hurt. There's something about God-inflicted pain that changes us forever. And it just may be that the hard times that you're going through and the thing that you're struggling with, it may be God appointed because that's the thing that's going to change you forever. Maybe the problems that we're saying, well, I don't want any more problems. Maybe if the problems went away, it wouldn't change you. Maybe as adults, the things that really change us is trauma and pain. And the pain that God has for us will change us to the point where, hey, Peter, after this moment, he never fell away from the faith again. Peter was hurt because the truth hurts, but the truth also sets you free. Can I get an amen? I think it's time for us to stop being so worried about offending people with what the word of God has to say and understand that the final consequence will be there will be freedom in society. There will be freedom in community because the word of God may offend some, but the end result justifies the means because it delivers you in freedom. Can I get an amen? But it hurts, but it saves you. But it's restrictive. No, it's not as protective. And so the third question hurts Peter. It just may be that the thing that hurts you the most is the only catalytic event that the Holy Spirit has left to bring you back. It's not that his love won't make you in awe of him. It's how he will deliver you from yourself. Peter is forever changed. If I could have the keys, as I transition to this next point, there are actually four signs of Peter's change. We don't have enough time to go into it. But it's beautiful to see Peter in Acts versus Peter in the Gospels. Because the same Peter that denied Jesus now goes after being filled with the Holy Spirit. He confronts all of those that crucified him. So bold. I looked at Peter in Acts. I'm like, who is this man? He completely changed. Peter's a different person. When when they were praying in the temple, he he comes out and, and there's a beggar at the door, the beautiful door. You know the story? And then he says, do you have gold or silver? And then this new Peter comes out and says, I have neither gold or silver, but what I do have, I give to thee, get up and walk. The Bible will say in Acts that his shadow killed the sick. Imagine if Peter had money. What would Peter do? What would the old Peter do? Peter would give the beggar money. Maybe some of the things that God hasn't given you is so that you can give what heaven is offering instead of what you have possessed. Peter had nothing to give, but what he had to give in God was more than enough. Stop complaining of what's lacking. 
maybe the lack is creating space for your faith to give so much more. The Bible will say that this same guy, Peter, won't stop talking about Jesus, and now he's in the Sanhedrin. That's the Supreme Court, y'all. And they say, you stop talking about him, or we're going to kill you. Three times this happened. And then Peter, next to John, he says, what you will do I cannot change, but I cannot stop speaking about the things that I have seen. Who is this man? Who is this man? It's a man that was changed. And what changed him was a question that made him evaluate if he truly loved Jesus. I have a question for you today, Connect. Do you love Jesus? No, 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 no. Listen to my question. Do you love Jesus more than that? Fill in the blank. Let me ask you a question, Connect. Do you love Jesus truly? Let me ask it to you again. Do you love Jesus? Then spend time with him. beautiful Holy Spirit we love you forgive me Holy Spirit we love your presence father we are so thankful and grateful for what you have done Scholars say that Jesus hung on the cross for seven hours and he said seven things. And the last thing that he said was, it is done. But prior to saying it is done, at the end of John, he says, I have finished the work. And as someone who's always curious about the Bible, I've always questioned, well, what work did he finish at the end of John that then he says it is finished on the cross? You see, the work that Jesus had to do was disciple the 12 that were chosen. He finished the work. Jesus came to disciple 12 disciples. But he died so that everybody who would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. There was a work and there was a mission.
the work still continues in us. I want you to write this down. I'm going to give you seven, ten ways that you can start to pursue the greatest call even today. Write this down in TC and Framingham. I'm, I'm wrapping up. Number one, have a passionate pursuit. Write that down. Passionate pursuit. Do you remember when you were pursuing your wife? Do you remember the first date? How did you pursue her? The Bible says, seek the kingdom of God. Pursue. When you pursue, you bring intention into what you're doing. Before it was different than how it is now. And you can bring it back by just deciding to pursue passionately. Become excited again about praying. Have greater expectations when you read the Bible because the routine kills revelation. It's when you prime and reset your mind that you can bring passion to your pursuit. Number two, sacrifice. What could you give up? I gave up TV all week. I didn't watch anything. I'm not saying that to boast or like you should do that too. But what could you sacrifice? Not for God. This is the secret. What could you sacrifice so that you could spend more time with God? Number two is what could you sacrifice? Number three, study. How could you study God this week? How could you study something about Him? In the same way that you studied her, what she liked, her favorite restaurants, her favorite color, the places she liked to go to. How could you study God? Number four, vulnerability. How could you be vulnerable in the presence of God? See, God is not expecting a perfect you. He's expecting a real you in prayer. How could you bring vulnerability into your relationship? You see, vulnerability is the door to intimacy. Number five, how could you live this week in awe of Him? Sometimes I post this on my social, on my social media. I say, I opened up two gifts this morning. They were my eyes. How could you be in awe? Number six, how could you spend more time together? There's this thing that I learned called the first 15. The first 15 minutes of the day, five minutes of worship, five minutes of Bible, five minutes of prayer. Well, pastor, I wake up at four in the morning. Well, you can wake up at 345. How could you find time together? Number seven, how could you have quality time with him? Quality time speaks to something that you schedule. There's a pastor, a friend of mine. He's a friend of this house also. He talks about like how on Tuesday he goes under for six hours. I'm not saying that's where you start. But how could you schedule some quality time with him? I'll give you an example. Every year I go away. I go away to nature, to seclusion, modeling what Jesus taught us. 
and I just try to get away from everybody, all the noise, and I just write and I speak to God. Quality time. Could you commit to quality time? Maybe it doesn't have to be as extreme as I'm saying, but could you schedule something where it would be some sort of a date with the Holy Spirit? Number eight is focus. Bring focus to your time with Him. Do you know why I brought this paper Bible? This is the best way for you to spend time with Him. I'm not against technology, I leverage it. But there's something about notification that takes away your quality. Put your phone in the other room. Open up a paper Bible. Ensure you won't be distracted, bring focus. Number nine is trust more. Write that down, trust. How could you trust God more this week? And number 10 is live loved now. At the beginning of the message, this was a part of the big idea. We have a problem with living loved now because we feel like we need to earn it. There is nothing you can do, there is nothing you have done that can make you love, that can make God love you more. Does that make sense? There is nothing you can do that can make you love, that can make God love you more. And there is nothing that you have done that can make you love, that can make God love you less. Live love now, not and and if. A lot of times in our relationship we put ifs. Well, I think God will love me if. No, He loves you now. And so this week, live loved now. He loves you just the way you are. He accepts you just the way you are. If you could stand with me. Thank you, FC, Framingham Campus. Thank you, TC. Thank you, online. We're going to go into a song, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit is trying to invite a lot of us back to a place where we once were. Some of us have gotten so busy for God, and I know I'm over time, I'm going to do this fast, but I want to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm going to challenge you. Is that okay if I do that? I'm going to challenge your faith. Is that okay if I do that? Yes. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge how you've prioritized your time. Prioritized your time. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is doing something here this morning. And I believe He wants to get you to the same inflection point that Peter had. Where he had to take inventory of his priorities. And I want to give you the same opportunity. Could it be that your relationship with Jesus can be better? Well, well, Pastor Chris, God is everywhere. What do you mean closer to God? What do you mean intimacy with the Holy Spirit? You can sleep next to a person and be millions of miles away. I'm asking, are you close to God in your relationship? I'm asking, when He speaks, do you know it's Him? 
Or are you confused? And if you are, that's okay. That's what this moment is for. If you gave my wife the microphone and turned off the lights and she spoke, I would know it was her. Would you? No. Why? Because I have spent enough time with her to know the sound of her voice. And I believe God is calling us to spend time with Him. There are too many people with microphones and pulpits trying to tell you who God is. Hey, you don't need to depend on an interpretation of who God is. You can know God yourself personally. You can spend time with God and know Him yourself. I don't need to know your story. I know His story. I know what He did for us. And so in this moment, I'm challenging your faith. Are you willing to reprioritize your schedule this week? Are you willing to change the value and the time you spend with certain people? I mean, you have not started to live, y'all, unless you have found something that you are willing to die for. Would you die for Jesus? Oh, I love Jesus, but don't send me there. What if today he called you to the window of 10 to, of 2040? The window in on, on the world where it's the least reached population, where people have never heard of Jesus. Would you go? I would. And I'm not depending on myself to say that because when God has spoken to us in the past, we didn't know where he, where he was going to take us. And I had these prayers where I was so afraid. I said, Lord, but I'm so comfortable. But I will. And, and I know I'm not perfect. But one of the things that has been a, a staple in my Christianity is that in the end, I will obey. M many of you know my story. In the end, I obey. The Bible says in Proverbs that it is better to obey than to sacrifice. How much do you really love Jesus? I'm not trying to create an emotional moment. I'm trying to get you to connect with the question he asked Peter that changed him forever. Do you really love Jesus? You see, the world has enough fans. Enough people follow Christian meme accounts. They're funny. But I'm being real this morning, connect. Do you really love the master? Would you recognize him if he showed up? It's one thing intimacy is defined as this. It's when you fully know and they fully know you. I know God fully knows you, but do you know him? The Bible says that in the end days, he will say to many, depart from me for I do not know you. I'm not trying to indict anyone, but I'm just saying, are you close to enough to where you want to be? Because if you want to take just one step, just one step closer to the presence of God, I promise you He has been waiting there all along. In the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, you see this. In the story of the Garden of Eden, you see this. When Adam falls, God would come at the turning of the day to spend time with Adam. And He came again knowing that Adam had fallen. You know the story of creation. 
What's interesting is he says, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. God is all-knowing. God is omniscient. He knows. He knew. He didn't need to know where Adam was. But he still asks the question, Adam, where are you? And the question was teaching Adam something. He wanted Adam to know, I am in the same place I have always come to meet you. And so the question was exposing where Adam was no longer. There's also another idea here that when God asked Adam, where are you? He wanted Adam to hear his voice. He wanted Adam to know that he was looking for him. Even though he had fallen away, even though he had made a mistake, God had not given up on him. And I know I mentioned Judas in the story, but don't forget that when Judas came to give Jesus the kiss of betrayal, Jesus called him a friend, y'all. Jesus is not a hypocrite. And this word goes to us who felt like we betrayed Jesus when we heard this message. Know that it doesn't matter what we do, Jesus still calls us a friend. If you could close your eyes right where you are, I'm going to pray for you. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for what you're doing, Holy Spirit. I'm going to count to three, and if you want to reprioritize your relationship with Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. If you want to change the order, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand. Glory to God. Glory to God. I see hands all across the room. Thank you, Jesus. If you're so, if you're so courageous, can you, can you look at me if you have your hands up? Look at me. Bring your hand to the front. Bring your response right here. I want to pray for you. Bring your response to the altar. Come on, come on. We're going to do something prophetic this morning. Come on, come on.